Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast, episode 231. I'm your host, Steve Burnham. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to Sylvia Gallagher, uh, Acting Assistant Commissioner at the ATO. Sylvia has responsibilities uh, for the tax time support services for individual taxpayers, as well as the tax practitioner lodgement program and agent support services. Now we covered many topics, many, many items, a lot of it about the COVID-19 stimulus and support measures for both taxpayers and tax practitioners. And actually we agreed that uh, 2020 tax time has been a hell of a tax time. Sylvia Gallagher, thanks very much for being on the Tax Wrap podcast. Thanks for having me, Steve. Um, uh, Sylvia, if I can just start off by uttering what's probably the understatement of the year. 2020 has been a hell of a year, hasn't it? It sure has. Um, or to put it another way, uh, what, uh, it's been a year, the year from hell. Um, um, just setting the scene, I mean, you remember from the beginning of the year, there was um, natural disasters, bushfires. Well, that was an event enough to, to make a difference to people's taxation outcomes. But then, then came the pandemic. COVID-19 uh, came onto our doorstep. And of course, from the tax point of view, the government's stimulus measures measures are kicked in like cash flow boost, JobKeeper, and of course, the early release of super. Um, from the ATO's perspective, while I've got you there, I'd kind of like to get an insider's point of view. I mean, tax time is normally a big time of the year anyway for the ATO and for tax practitioners. But this year... It must have been massive. I mean, a multitude of challenges came the ATO's way. From an insider's perspective, what was involved with the machinery of the ATO making all that happen, making it all work? Yes, Steve, look, like everyone else in the community, the ATO and its staff, we've had to learn to adapt. We've had to learn to be agile and flexible to whatever situation is presented to us. Uh, We've also had to change in a really short time in the way that we deliver some of our key services to the community, especially our traditional face-to-face services that we've we've offered for a very long time. Um, With COVID restrictions, it did mean reprioritising a lot of our programs of work to make sure that we were just focusing on those essential services such as tax time and the government stimulus payments um, and ensuring that we're providing that support during the natural disasters and the community through a really difficult and different tax time. Um, Mm. So essentially, we prioritised and redeployed our resources to key services such as our telephony channels. So we knew that we were going to have an increase in telephone calls. Um, You know, we had additional staff taking calls as well as expanding our operating hours. Uh, We also increased our IT capability. So we knew that this tax time we were going to have record-breaking uh, hits into our system. So we needed to make sure that we were ready for that. So um, on top of those things, on top of, you know, the demand to the services that we had, we also had to mobilise our workforce and move them from uh, some areas of the ATO into different areas um, and put in place arrangements while we were doing this to also enable them to transition to working from home. So um, here at the ATO, we also spent a considerable time working from home and a lot of our staff are still doing that while yeah. others are transitioning back into the office. Um, and we needed to make sure that we were doing this while still delivering core services um, and supporting our, our staff in a safe work environment. So in, all, in, you know, in addition to administering the stimulus measures and making payments to eligible applicants, we also reprioritised our compliance work. So in particular, we 
we temporarily paused all of our outbound campaigns and the majority of firmer or stronger actions, except in cases where we saw that, you know, we had serious concern uh, or we saw that non-compliance or egregious behaviour. Uh, we applied and granted deferrals and remissions um, to interest charges and penalties were warranted um, and ensured that clients were supported based on their situation. So our staff actually spoke with a lot of clients, a lot of tax agents, to understand their situation so that we could tailor the support specific to them. Um, we knew that we didn't want, and the community told us that they didn't want us to do uh, blanket responses. They wanted us to be able to tailor it and tailor our responses to their needs. So we, we really tried to do that. Um, this year, we've actually seen record, um, records in terms of call volumes. So, for example, one of our peak periods between 18th of May and the 13th of May, we answered over 649,000 COVID-19 related phone calls. Um, we had anticipated the increase in calls. Um, and so we also expanded our weekday and weekend operating hours. And we actually offered this year weekend operating hours for telephony for our tax professionals, which we hadn't previously done before. Um, our average wait time for okay. across the lines was about two minutes and it was actually shorter for tax professionals. So we really ensured that we ramped up the services that we thought the community needed at that time. Um, we also saw unprecedented usage of our online services and we were able to lift the capacity of our online services and they served us pretty well, we think, over tax time. Um, most of the systems or the systems held up held up really well. We had our peak day on the 1st of July where uh, in the morning we had a, oh, yeah, cool. a couple of issues but we were able to resolve them really quickly. So we're really happy with the way that the systems held up. Um, we also focused on communication and um communicating to the community and finding ways to deliver the right information to the right uh, to at uh, the right time and answering all of the questions and issues that were coming through so there was a lot of information that was going out and a lot of questions that were coming in we were really conscious of making sure that we weren't overwhelming people but we were trying to give the right information at the right time um, and we were also meeting with the tax professional associations and our, our stewardship groups pretty much um, almost three to four times a week. So we kept in really close contact with the tax profession um, to listen to what was going on. And we, we actually changed a lot of our comms and developed a lot of our comms based on the questions that were coming through. Um, but ultimately, tax time has been really successful this year and I'm happy to share with you some stats. Um, so as of the 5th of November, we've received over 9.96 million year-to-date 2020 individual lodgements. And more than 8.12 million individual 2020 returns year to date have been issued. Um, and that totals, you know, around more than uh, $21.1 billion into the community. Sylvia, I must say from our point of view, from uh, our members did give us feedback that they were uh, amazed and uh, very glad that the ATO was able to provide a lot of information uh, at the time and in time critical, as you said before. Um, and now the ATO is still uh, supporting tax practitioners and small business. Uh, how is that going? How, how is, what other supports can the ATO give to um, tax professionals and small business? Sure. So the situation, you know, COVID-19 does continue to evolve and we all continue to manage the challenges that come along with that. Uh, we understand that small business and tax professionals, who a lot of the times are actually small businesses themselves, are dealing with unique and ongoing challenges and circumstances and a lot of uncertainty during this time. Um, you know, we really want to support business to get back on their feet. You know, small business have always been the backbone of our economy. They make up more than 99% of all Australian businesses and they contribute more than $14, $413 billion to the economy 
and they also employ more than 5.5 million people. So we recognise the importance that small business has in the economy, in the community, um, and we really do want to try and make sure that they get back on their feet, as I said earlier. Um, But even before COVID-19, small businesses told us they were under stress and tax agents, you know, are helping them and supporting them through that stress um, and BAS agents, Mm. bookkeepers as well. You know, we heard that they work long hours, there are cash flow pressures, there's endless paperwork, there are staff issues and there's a lot of blurring the boundaries between family and work. Um, You know, and we know that the impact of COVID-19 is devastating and the toll that it's taking on people's mental health. Um, And so we are focused on that and we're we're looking at how we can support the profession and help small business uh, with with dedicated um, resources, mental health resources. We also recognise that some business will need to close um, as a result of the pandemic through no fault of their own. Businesses who were previously viable who just won't be um, after after COVID. And we also need to, well, we also recognise that business owners need to be able to do this with dignity and in a way that minimises their losses. So with COVID-19 creating a completely different life to what we've seen before, being able to be adaptable and agile can really help. Um, we know the importance that tax professionals play and continue to play in helping their business clients navigate the various stimulus measures while also managing their own business and navigating and trying to understand the stimulus measures and how they impact to them. Um, So we do understand the pressure on the profession at the moment. We are committed to providing help that's needed to support small businesses and their advisors through this time. We have a range of practical support options. These include um, providing financial assistance through JobKeeper and cash flow boost payments, Um, You know, we've increased or we're administering the increase of the instant asset write-off. We've provided a number of lodgement and payment deferrals. So previously, you couldn't apply for a payment deferral in isolation. You can now do that. Um, You know, we are offering that um, payment-only deferral. We've allowed for flexible payment plans. Uh, We've allowed for changing of the GST reporting cycle um, or varying the pay-as-you-go instalments uh, amounts. We've um, made a lot of remissions to the general interest charge. Those haven't been automatic. You do need to contact us and you do need to request it. Um, And we have made payment arrangements for the Super Guarantee Amnesty. Um, But we do encourage tax professionals to get in touch if if you need support. Our emergency hotline is 1800 806 218. Um, And we are, our our biggest message is please reach out to us. Um, We heard from the community that, that, you know, that they, that, um, they needed help um, and we, we just want to understand how you need that and how we can help you. Yeah, excellent. Could you just repeat that number again, Sylvia, just so, so people can write it down? one 800 806 218 That's great. I, I know that the um, uh, JobKeeper has been especially uh, very helpful but also very uh, demanding on practitioners just to explain it to their clients, help their clients, you know, do the turnover calculations, etc. Sylvia, we're, we're halfway through... Now, JobKeeper was extended after the end of September when it was meant to, to stop, extended uh, in two sections, extension one, which we're halfway through. Um, are there any, from the ATO's point of view, are there any key messages for our listeners f- about the remainder of extension one and also going into the next, into 2021, extension two? Yeah, absolutely, Steve. So just a reminder, so JobKeeper has been extended, as you said, to the 28th of March, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and the extension includes changes to the turnover test, 
employer eligibility requirements and the introduction of a a two-tier payment rate rather than the flat $1,500 per fortnight rate that has applied to date. Um, The changes mean more business and their employees may be eligible for JobKeeper payments, including businesses who have been impacted by COVID-19 and state-based restrictions. So to claim the fortnights in the JobKeeper extension one or two, your business clients, they don't need to re-enroll. So if you're already in JobKeeper, uh, that will continue. So there is no need to re-enroll as long as they've already enrolled um, by the for the fortnights before the 28th of September. Um, you don't need to reassess employee eligibility or ask your employees to agree to be nominated by them as their eligible employer if they're already claiming for them or if you're already claiming for them before the 28th of September. You also don't need to meet any further requirements if you're claiming for eligible business participants other than those applied from the start of JobKeeper relating to, you know, holding an ABN, declaring accessible income and supplies. Um, the required fall in GST turnover percentages will remain the same. So that's 30% for an aggregated turnover of a billion dollars or less, 50% for an aggregated turnover of a billion dollars or more, and 15% for ACNC registered charities other than universities and schools. So the first extension period is from the 28th of September this year until the 3rd of January 2021. And you'll need to demonstrate that your actual GST turnover has fallen in the September 2020 quarter, so that's July, August, September, relative to a comparable period. And generally, we say that that's, you know, the corresponding quarter in 2019. Um, The T1 rate will be $1,200 a fortnight, and the T2 rate will be $750 per fortnight. Um, In terms of enrolment, so business clients can enrol for JobKeeper until the program uh, closes. So there's no end for the enrollment. Um, oh, it's yeah. just when, when it closes, provided obviously that, you know, that your clients um, meet the eligibility requirements. They will though need to enrol by the end of each month to claim reimbursements for JobKeeper fortnights in that month. Um, so that all remains the same. And at the time of enrolment, you know, your clients will just need to check or, or resubmit their check decline and turnover form to us online. Um, and just a reminder that to claim for November fortnights, your clients must enrol by the 30th of November. Um, oh, that's right. 30th of November, right. Yeah. So in terms of the monthly business declaration, so existing employers have between the 1st and the 14th of November to complete a monthly business declaration. They'll need to submit their check in uh, check decline and turnover form before they can complete and submit their monthly business declaration. So that's important to know. Your business clients must also ensure that nominated eligible employees are paid on or before the key dates, um, and those dates are published on our website, and that's been, you know, the same throughout the the stimulus measures. Right, yep. Um, And the next fortnights to pay nominated eligible employees are the 22nd of November, the 6th of November, the 20th of December, and finally, the 3rd of January. Um, Okay. As for extension two, so the second extension period is from the 4th of January 2021, until the 28th of March, 2021. So you will need to demonstrate that your actual GST turnover has fallen in the December 2020 quarter. So again, that's October, November, December, relative to a comparable period, same as, as the previous year. So for extension two, the T1 rate will be $1,000 a fortnight and the T2 rate will be $650 a fortnight. Um, if your clients are already receiving JobKeeper payments, 
you don't need to roll again, they don't need to enroll again, um, and their employees don't need to complete another nomination notice. However, you will need to make sure that their BAS lodgements are up to date to make sure that the processing for continuing to claim runs smoothly. So that's really important um, to, to, to make sure that those activity statements are up to date. Um, so to, to uh, ensure that your clients can claim JobKeeper payments, just ensure that they check their eligibility to continue in the scheme, work out which tier their employees are in, and they've played, paid their employees a correct minimum amount um, relevant to the JobKeeper fortnights. Right. The, um, I know that um, that's that's great. That's all, all really good. And uh, but uh, I just wanted to ask a question. I mean, it, people are still doing it tough out there because of COVID and because of a lot, a lot of reasons. Both practitioners, clients, taxpayers. Just regarding enrolments and monthly business declarations. Um, what about if someone misses an enrolment for the month that they're claiming, or or what if they miss the business declaration deadline? What can they do? So we don't generally accept late enrolments for JobKeeper, but we can allow for further time to enrol if there are exceptional circumstances that resulted in a failure to, to enrol on time. So there are things like death or serious illness in the family or a natural disaster, um, and it must directly affect their ability to enrol on time. So it is really important to uh, work with your clients to make sure that they do get those, meet those key dates. Um, and as soon as your clients know that that they can't meet the deadline, uh, you can contact us and I'll give you a number now on 13 28 66 and our core representatives mm -hmm. can assist with manually processing that declaration form but make sure that you contact us. So that's really important. Uh, we oh. can't help you if we don't know that there's an issue um, and no, if we don't issue. know that there's a problem. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, so, you know, if and if you're, you and your clients are experiencing difficulties or struggles, don't let things get out of hand. Let us know so that we can help you. We've got, you know, our, our call centres and our um, lodgement areas are really um, ramped up to ensure that we can help tax professionals and small businesses. Oh, great. So just keep in touch. Basically. Correct, yeah. Okay. Um, the, the, it might be the case, you mentioned <coughs> people, death and natural disaster, things that people have no control over. I don't know why this might happen, but so what if a business hasn't claimed JobKeeper payments up to date? So, What's their situation? So the scheme's still open to new enrolments, so businesses can enrol ah. at any time until the program closes, yep. and they only need to enrol once. Um, okay. Although businesses will need to enrol by the end of the month to claim reimbursements for the JobKeeper fortnights in that month, so you know they won't be able to apply uh, for months, prior months, it's really the, the month yep. that you're in, and then going forward from there. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, at the time that you enrol, you just need to submit the check de decline and turnover form to us online. Um, and then you need to check that the business and employees meet all of the original eligibility requirements, as well as the new actual turnover test. So once you've set your clients up, you can go through both the enrolment and the declaration of actual turnover decline in um, turnover falls. Forms. Okay, and then they'll be on the, in, on the, on the system, on the, on the scheme. Yeah. Um, now, what about when a business comes to the end of being eligible, when they're no longer eligible? Is there anything they need to do or is this an automatic process? So you don't need to cancel your enrolment. However, you will need to change the status for all employees and the business participants. So you do this by following the same process for updating details for employees and the business participant who are no longer eligible. Um, you should notify also all employees and business participants that you're no longer receiving JobKeeper payments. Um, but you don't need to satisfy to notify us if you don't satisfy the actual decline in turnover test for a JobKeeper extension period. 
Right, so the, in, a, in that regard, it is kind of automatic. You just don't meet the criteria, mm-hmm. therefore it, it stops. Okay, that's yeah. good to know. Um, now, you mentioned the Tier 1 and Tier 2. So a business can claim one rate for employees. I think it's worked more than 80 hours, I think, from memory, uh, or more in the four weeks of the pay periods. And now this is before either March 1 or July 1. And a lower rate for people who have worked less than those hours. Can you briefly sketch out what the rules are around that? Sure, I can. So a business will get reimbursed, as you said, at two rates, depending on the hours that their employees worked during specific reference periods. So from the 28th of September, uh, your clients must do, you and your clients must do all of the following. So you need to work out the T1 or the T rate that applies to each of your eligible employees and or eligible business participants. Notify us and your eligible employees or eligible business participants um, of what payment rate applies to them. Um, and then during the JobKeeper extension one, so through to January, 3rd of January 2021, ensure that your eligible employees are paid at least 1200 per fortnight for T1 employees. So remember that's the more than 80 hours um, in a four-week period um, or 750 per fortnight for the T2, which is the less than 80 hours. Um, and then from the 4th of January, so for JobKeeper Extension 2, ensure that your eligible employees are paid at least $1,000 a fortnight for T1 and $650 a fortnight for T2 employees. So to work out whether the 80-hour test is passed, you do need to take into account the actual hours the employee worked. That's the actual number of hours and includes overtime hours that they worked in excess of their employment agreement or their contractual entitlement. The act at the hours that they're on paid leave, so including annual leave, personal carers, um, etc. Again, oh, uh, you know what's relevant is the hours that they were on paid leave, not the rate um, of pay they got, but the unpaid uh, and the unpaid leave doesn't count. So it's a paid leave that that um, forms part of that, correct. Okay. Um, And then the hours they were paid for absence on a public holiday. So how many hours were they paid for in that day? So full-time employees will ordinarily satisfy the 80-hour threshold. For part-time employees, long-term casuals, or those not paid on an hourly basis, and stood down employees, this might not be as clear. So for employees who have been stood down for all or part of the relevant pay periods before March and July, or employees that took unpaid leave, those pay periods may not be representative of that employee's hours in a similar 28-day period. So for these employees, the employer can use an alternative 28-day period ending the end of the pay cycle before 1st of March or 1 July, in which the employee's paid hours is representative of a typical 28-day period. So there's a bit of leniency there. Yeah, because you do get a bit of leeway and sway in different hours in different periods. Yeah, and that... It's important to note also the 80-hour rule also applies to sole traders and other business uh, eligible business participants, but only slightly differently. So like employees, JobKeeper payments for sole traders are available at two rates under the JobKeeper extension based on an 80-hour test, but there are two main differences. So firstly, the testing period, so for sole traders is the month of February 2020, and secondly, rather than paid work or leave, the sole trader must be actively engaged in their business for at least 80 hours um, during that time. Um, and that, you know, as a sole trader, that is, you know, you own your own business and you're not an employee of your own business. You'll be actively involved in your business if you regularly perform or manage the performance or service um, the business provides. You sell or manage uh, the sale of um, the goods for, of the business 
You perform other activities associated with managing the business. You exercise control over activities related to business strategy and growth. Um, you will not be actively engaged in the business simply because you own an interest in the business or invest capital in it. Um, so, yeah, so it, it is um, good to provide or, you know, or if you provide advice or other assistance to the business from time to time. So you have to be active in the business um, to, yes, be, to yep. qualify. Um and the tier rate applies to as an eligible business participant, you must keep records. So as a sole trader, um, you, you do need to make sure that you keep these records. And obviously, um, as employee, um, uh, employees will keep these records as well. But So these records yep. show how you made an assessment of the hours that you are actively engaged in your business. And, you know, that can include a variety of things from business diaries to logbooks, timesheets, hours billed, um, you know, and rec records prepared for other businesses or statutory purposes. Yeah, just, just something that you, that you can show if you're asked. Okay, speaking of records, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about, now you mentioned how the compliance focus, the ATO redeployed people to the, the parts that needed it, so some compliance was kind of put aside, but compliance still must happen. Um, how is the ATO, what's the ATO approach on checking on the stimulus measures specifically? Like, what, what do people need to keep records of? And if someone gets it wrong or if someone's doing, actually doing the wrong thing, What's the process there? Yeah, look, we do know that most people are honest and we also know that some people will make mistakes and, you know, that's that's totally fine. We understand that. We know it. Um, we also do know that sometimes people do try to gain an advantage, um, especially where there's, um, you know, government money that's, that's um, being offered. So our checking of claims to support payments has and will continue to focus on helping people understand when they're entitled and when they're not and deterring those who are ineligible from applying and verifying claims for payments where we have concerns. Um, we do, as you can imagine, have quite sophisticated systems that can detect changes in patterns of reporting, unusual activity and can check against criteria for eligibility for support payments. So with JobKeeper, we have been and we will continue to monitor issues um, that we identified as areas concerned from the original JobKeeper stimulus me measure, um, which includes businesses that don't meet the wage condition for their employees, claim JobKeeper for individuals who are not eligible employees or for who they don't have a nomination notice, claim JobKeeper for more than one business participant, for example, by disguising them as employees, um, claim JobKeeper for individuals who are not eligible business participants, um, we'll also be monitoring and continue to monitor new requirements introduced in the JobKeeper extension. So in particular, uh, we will be reviewing businesses that appear to have contrived eligibility for the JobKeeper extension by manipulating their GST turnover to meet the actual decline in turnover test um, and who have claimed the incorrect higher rate for their employees or eligible business participants where they probably should have been on the on the lower tier. So uh, we are looking at that. Um, but it is really important for the JobKeeper payments as well as all of your client's tax affairs to maintain good records. So good record keeping mm. is essential. Um, and in particular for the JobKeeper payments, this would include records of how you calculated your actual turnover, which decline in turnover test you used, and if this was not the standard basic test but an alternative test, which one and why. Um, mm -hmm. All of your employee notifications, um, you know, keep those records that substantiate how you determined your employee's eligibility and their qualifications for the top tier payment rate. Um, and again, if an alternative period was used, evidence of the period and why it was chosen. 
Um, and look, we do understand that some people are going to get it wrong um, and we are working and willing to work with people to make sure that they get it right or they fix it as soon as possible. Um, we do encourage all JobKeeper applicants to review their applications and to contact us if they've made mistakes. You know, we have a discretion not to pursue repayment of an overpayment in certain circumstances, such as honest mistakes. So if you, if you think that you've made an honest mistake, just let us know. You know, we'll, we'll help you out. Um, the decisions, of course, will, will be made on the facts and circumstances of each case. So we will look at each case um, for, its, for its individual merits. Yeah. So if you want to argue in a particular case, have the paperwork, as it were, to back it up. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. factors that, um, that we also may consider um, include whether you relied on good faith on a statement made by an employee or their nomination notice. Um, you fully passed on the benefit to JobKeeper payment to the relevant employee. Um, and the mm -hmm. mistake was made earlier in JobKeeper when there was less public guidance. You know, we recognised this was done quite quickly um, and, yes, yeah. you know, that, that communication wasn't necessarily out there. So, you know, it's, we, we certainly do account for that. Um, and we also generally won't apply penalties where there's been an honest mistake. Um, however, administrative penalties will apply if there is evidence of deliberate actions to get JobKeeper payments that an entity would not have otherwise been entitled to. So if we believe someone's made an honest mistake, we will work with them. Mm, excellent. Uh, um, it's it's a tax time like no other. I mean, do you have any key tips when lodging this year? And what should people be aware of when lodging? Yeah, there's a few things, and um, this tax time has been pretty busy, as as you've said. And you know, obviously, the um, the tax professional lodgement you, you know goes until the fifteenth of May. So we've got mm. more. You know, there's a, a lot more um, time in between where we've got lodgements coming through. Um, but we do acknowledge this has been a really tough year for businesses and for tax professionals. Um, we released the Small Business Tax Time Toolkit, which is actually a really helpful directory um, link of tools, calculators and services to help tax professionals and small businesses. Um, and we've got lots of fact sheets in there which cover home-based business expenses, motor vehicle expenses, travel expenses, um, using your company's money or assets and permanent or permanently or closing or pausing your business due to COVID-19. Um, there are some deductions and concessions small businesses should probably, um, or their advisors should ensure that they're across in case they're eligible to claim. So there were quite a few things that came out of this budget um, and previous budgets. So the instant asset write-off, um, so you may be able to reduce your tax bill if you're eligible for concessions such as instant asset write-off or the immediate deduction for prepaid expenses. Um, you can find out more about our concessions on our ato.gov.au website um, under concessions uh, at a glance. Um, so from 7.30 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on the 6th of October until the 30th of June 2020, the temporary full expensing measure allows an immediate deduction for the full cost of uh, a new eligible depreciating asset for businesses with an aggregated turnover of under $5 billion. So this is obviously a new announcement in the measure on top of um, the instant asset write-off, which still stands. So that's still available um, for for companies who, who can't use the, um, 
the full expense measure. Full expense, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's at the one hundred and fifty thousand, I think. The uh, right. So the threshold anyway, amount for each asset, correct. So for the instant right. asset write-off, that's one hundred and fifty thousand, which was previously thirty thousand, uh, providing yep. that the asset is purchased by the thirty-first of December and first used or installed and ready to use um, for use by the thirtieth of June, twenty twenty. So that's the instant asset write-off, and that covers businesses with an aggregated turnover of less than five hundred million. Um, whereas a full expense measure is that um, under $5 billion. So I just yep. did want to draw your attention to um, a, a scenario, so a car limit scenario. So the car oh, yeah. limit still applies. So even with the um, the full um, uh, the full depreciation, the full expensing, yep. that car limit is still there. So this is a question that we've okay. had from quite a few people where uh, there was the assumption that there, there'd still be a car limit, but um, there absolutely still is. So for um, the nineteen twenty income year, the car limit is fifty seven thousand five hundred eighty one dollars, and for the twenty 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 one income year, that's fifty nine thousand one hundred thirty six dollars. So um, that's really important to ensure that uh, tax professionals get that right. Um, yeah. Because we were hearing you're, some you're, stories. You no, you're right. To say we, we've had a lot of stories from um, our members, yeah, tradies coming out, rubbing their hands together. Oh, I'll get a three hundred thousand dollar BMW pickup truck. But no, 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 no. No. But uh, good point. Good point. Yeah. So it does apply to the limits of vehicles, um, and you know you can only claim, of course, the the business uh, portion of the car oh, yeah. limit. So. To use the instant asset write-off, you must have used a vehicle, had it delivered ready for use between the 12th of March, um, 30 June 2021, providing that you purchased it by the 31st of September. Um, if you're ineligible to claim the depreciation deductions under the temporary full expensing. Um, so when calculating car depreciation amounts, if you're registered for GST and can claim the full GST credit, exclude the mm -hmm. GST amount you paid on the car. If you're not registered for GST, include the GST amount you paid on the car. You can't right. claim the excess cost um, over the car limit under any other depreciation rules. So I think that's pretty important okay. to know. Um, yeah. We've also got the accelerated depreciation for vehicles. So this one is one of the government's measures to support investment and encourage stronger economic recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic directly. Um, yep. And to be eligible for the accelerated depreciation, so business must have an aggregated turnover of less than $500 million. The asset must be a new depreciable asset acquired and first used or installed ready for business by um, use from the 12th of March until the, uh, this year, so 2020, until the 30th of June 2021. And the business must not have applied another depreciation deduction or the instant asset write-off. Um, so that's probably important to know as well. Um, yep. Another mm -hmm. announcement um, that was made this year was around... Um, making a loss. So the ATO anticipates that a number of businesses would ordinarily, who would ordinarily have been turning a profit um, this year, may actually be, be making a loss due to COVID-19 and possibly for the first time. So if you find yourself and your mm. clients um, in this situation, then you may be eligible to claim a deduction for that loss. Um, so sole traders and individual partners in a partnership who meet certain conditions can offset current year losses against other assessable income, such as salary or investment income, in the same yep. income year. Otherwise, they can defer the loss or carry it forward and offset it to a future year when the business next makes a profit. Um, and businesses that are set up under a company structure that have made a tax loss in a current year can generally carry forward that loss as long as they want um, as long as they want, for as long as they want, and claim a deduction for their business in a future year. 
So yep. you'll need to keep records for five years for most transactions. However, if you fully deduct a tax loss in a single income year, you only need to keep records for four years from that income year. Okay. Um, another thing to think about this tax time are the various payments that people have received. So we know there have been a lot of government payments, a lot of stimulus payments, a lot of state-based payments. So, um, you know, you do need to be aware of the tax treatment of various payments uh, to ensure that they're included correctly in your client's tax returns. Um, it's important to include any government payments that your clients receive in their tax return as leaving it out may delay in um, processing um, and also it may be that we ask you for extra information or extra evidence. So in regards to the yep. specific stimulus payments, so JobKeeper payments are included as accessible income um, of the business and salary and wages paid to employees is deductible as usual. So that's really important mm -hmm. to note. Yep. Cash flow boost is not taxable or subject to GST. Um, it is an offset applied against the liabilities in the relevant activity statement. And also the federal government payments for the 1920 bushfires don't need to be included in the return. So they were specifically exempt by government this year. However, other support payments, state and territory support payments, do have different um, taxing treatments. So you really need to be aware of those and, and what happens in that case. Um, in most of those, um, you know, they still will be accessible. So it needs to be, um, you know, you just need to be across what the tax treatment for those are. I, I know that in, in Victoria, which is where I'm calling from, it's, um, some business grants were not accessible, not exempt, um, and you just have to check, like you said. It's up to the practitioners to, to go and check. Yeah, and there, I mean, there is information um, on ato.gov.au, search for COVID-19 support payments, um, and oh, there is okay. more information there. Um, and there's probably, so in, another thing to note is that in recognition of the significant impact on the pandemic, we did temporarily pause all outbound campaigns and the majority of firmer structure action, uh, which I mentioned earlier, except of course for cases with evidence of ongoing serious non-compliance. Um, and this really allowed us to prioritise our workforce to support and respond to a large number of taxpayer inquiries um, and requests for assistance. Um, but obviously the number of taxpayer outstanding payments or lodgements has grown. So it is really important that these taxpayers don't lose touch with the tax system. So no. even if you can't pay, your clients can't pay, make sure they're still lodging and then let us know so that we can su provide support on that payment um, on that payment side. But we really do want to make sure that people are back on their feet as quickly as they can be. So re-engaging yep. with the system and making sure that you don't lose touch with the tax system um, is really important. Right. Um, speaking of you know, what people are doing tough, but uh, one of the um, early support measures that I'd like to go back to just briefly is the early release of super. Um, that, that was an interesting uh, measure and a lot of people took advantage of it. And then there were some reports in the media of people trying to take advantage of other people, like you know, trying to get get their hands on their super money. But apart from that, has the ATO noticed, have there been any errors or issues that people have had applying for early release of super? Yeah, Stephen, we've seen a couple of errors and mistakes with the early release applications, which can delay or end up with irreversible consequences, which can mm. actually be avoided. So um, an obvious but common mistake is accuracy in details in applications. So we have seen... Um, that the details are not always accurate. Um, so people, we are encouraging people to take care to ensure all the details entered in the application are correct. Some errors actually can't be fixed and you won't be able or your clients won't be able to apply again. So on that point, you can only apply once. 
this financial year. Um, so your applicants need to ensure the super fund that they're choosing to release the super can release super early. So um, that's one thing to make sure they check and that the money is actually available because that application can only go in once. Um, another common hey. mistake that we're seeing people make is not take into consideration timing. So if your clients are intending to apply, they need to make sure that they allow enough time for the application to be approved and for the chosen fund to release the payment. So um, if a mistake is made, please contact us as soon as possible on 13 10 20 and we can work with you and your clients to remedy their position. But once again, keep in contact, let us know. Um, yep. We have also, you know, as you mentioned, seen people who are not eligible attempting to game the system. Um, the majority of applications, though, are legitimate um, and we do encourage new applicants to ensure they meet the eligibility cr criteria, which is detailed on our website. Um, yep. We do have quite sophisticated monitoring and detection systems and we have processes in place to investigate suspicious um, applications and stop ineligible or fraudulent claims. Um, and then finally, you know, for people who need to reply or who need to apply for early release of super, they need to be aware of the tax implications, especially around Division 293, excess contributions or other tax implications, you know, and this is where you, you know, tax professional and superannuation experts are best placed yep. to provide that advice to clients. Um, we do have case studies and information on our website which can help you. Yep, um, but every case is different, so you just need to keep an eye on it. Um, Finally, Sylvia, the, the, the federal budget from this year, which was in October, not May, um, had a lot of measures that must have had an impact on the ATO from, a, from a, the fundamental taxation point of view. I mean, for instance, the bringing forward of the stage two of the personal income tax plan that, that uh, was brought forward, etc. Um, can you talk about the, highlight the changes around this? Sure. So there are actually um, around 26 um, significant measures which were impacted by or responsible for administering. So that is um, quite a lot. Um, mm. So as you mentioned, one of those was um, around the, the changes to the stage two of the personal income tax plan. So um, this brought forward the, um, the, the stage two personal plan to apply from the 2021 income year rather than um, when it was previously planned. So it's just, you know, the, the measure was always in place. It's just bringing it forward. Um, so for individual resident taxpayers, the changes for the 2021 in income year increase um, include, so the low income tax offset from $455 to $700, um, and then the different tier um, rate changes, so top threshold of the 19% rate from $37,000 to $45,000, top threshold for the 32.5% tax rate from $90,000 to $120,000, um, right. And then the phase-out rates for the low income tax offset and now the uh, for taxable incomes between $37,501 and $45,000 uh, is $700 minus $0.05 cents for every dollar above $37,500. Um, and then for taxable incomes between $45,001 and $66,667, it's $325 minus the 1.5 cents for every dollar above $45,000. 
Um, and then also the low and middle income tax offset has been retained. So I think, you know, you'll all remember that was meant to be phased out that this was, year. That's right. But, but it was retained for another year, which is kind of helpful. Correct. So it's been retained yeah. for one more year um, and it remains unchanged. So base rate amount of $255 per year with a maximum amount of $1,080. Um, and as I said, it has been retained for a year, so it's not. it will not be available um, unless there is, you know, further government changes for the 2020. Yeah. 2021-22 uh, income and later years. Um, <clears throat> changes have also been made to the rate thresholds that apply to foreign residents and working holiday makers, um, but all of our updated working or withholding schedules are on uh, ato.gov.au um, under forward slash tax tables um, and more information can be found on our website under the job maker plan. So what this also means is that your employer clients or anyone providing payroll services will need to make adjustments in their payroll services and will have had to have made them already um, to, to make sure that those cuts can be reflected in their employees' take-home pays. So employers must be withholding the right amount of tax from salary and wages paid to employees by no later than Monday, last Monday, so the 16th of November. So those changes really need to be in now um, to ensure that you're compliant. Uh, we are working or we have worked really closely with payroll providers um, and software developers to ensure that all of the reflected withholding associated tables um, and the increase of the lower income tax offset is reflected by the due date. So they've all been changed. All of your software should be working. Um, so that should that should all be in place. Um, yeah, but just make sure that um, that you that you do, that you've paying those employees from last Monday. Right. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Um, all right, Sylvia, look, you've packed a hell of a lot of information into this podcast. Thank you very much for your time. Um, listeners, if you're listening to, to this podcast over SoundCloud or iTunes or some other uh, format, uh, do be aware that Sylvia has given us a lot of information. Tax and Super Australia provides a transcript of the podcast, which you can find on ta taxandsupernewsroom.com.au. So go there if you want to have a read of what Sylvia's been telling us, because um, as I said, Sylvia, that's a hell of a lot of information. It's been a hell of a year, <laughs> but thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. 